Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again to uh, Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series that we're doing called Make Yourself at Home. And um, we're looking at, we sort of uh, use as a foundation, uh, a launching point from the series, John 15, and some verses where it talks about um, being uh, in the vine, established and, and rooted in Christ, and making ourselves at home in the love of God. And uh, uh, what it's really been about for us is, is this concept of um, making sure that we send down really good roots into, uh, into Jesus so that we can produce fruit and, and that there's some things that we need to uh, be aware of in our lives and make sure that we're cooperating with the Spirit with in order to live fruitful and productive lives. And so we're talking about some of these roots that we need to really look after and tend in um, our lives. And we started two weeks ago by talking about thankfulness. And I said that, that thankfulness was one of those things we really have to work at. Um, we have to develop the attitude. Uh, you know, gratitude would be the cliche way of saying it. But think about being thankful. And I want to encourage you again. Because I know it's hard to establish and get started in a habit. Two weeks ago I said to you that, that the, what you need to do in order to become more thankful is that every morning, before you even get out of bed, you think about five things that you're thankful for. And it needs to become a habit in your life. And I know it takes a while to establish these things, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep hearing it from me until you get it, and until you try it. Every morning, five things that you're thankful for. It's important because it'll change the way you look at things. Most, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people start the day by flipping on the news, and the last thing that you hear are good things. News is filled with negative, bad things. And that's sort of how you start your day. And it does impact the way that you go through your day. I promise you it does. But if you start your day by thinking about the things that you're thankful for every day, at least five, five things you're thankful for, it'll change the way you look at life. And then I want to bring it up again. We started two weeks ago, too. I encourage you to get started in a ministry of encouragement. And I said we're going to develop it in the weeks ahead, which we will. Right after done with this series, I'm going to dig in and, and uh, do a series on the ministry of encouragement, but I, I didn't want to wait until then to get it started. And so I encourage you to start encouraging two people a day. That, that you decide and ask God to show you two people a day that you can encourage. That you go out of your way just to show some encouragement. What's encouragement look like? It can look like a phone call, text message, Facebook. I don't care if you're into that stuff. Do that. You know, conversation, listening, something that lets people, when you're done, feel more encouraged than when you started. So you don't want to go and unload all your stuff on these two people. You don't want to, you know, you want to make them feel encouraged. Two people a day. And then if we can get in the habit of being thankful and encouraging people, it would make a big difference. And part of that is tending to that root, thankfulness. Last week I talked about hope. And that um, we can't make it without hope. And that, that I, I said that hope, to define it, was a passionate trusting in the Lord. And that, that He is always at work in us, um, developing us in this trust, because it's, it's one of the most fundamental things we can have, this, this passionate trust, this hope in the Lord. And so we, we need to learn and, and think about and, and spend time in making sure that, that our hope is in Him and our relationship with Him. And, and cultivating that root in order that we can produce fruit. Today, 
I, I want to talk about joy. And I know that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, but I also want to submit it to you as a root that we need to tend as well. And that the joy is a critical part of the Christian life. Which reminds me, I got this invitation uh, to this wedding, and it was kind of a, a different wedding. And I, I went last week, and, and, and this wedding, um, what happened was these two antennas were getting married. And it was really a weird wedding. But the reception was fantastic. <laughs> that is terrible, isn't it? I think that's the worst joke I've ever told from the pulpit, and I've been waiting all week to tell. I couldn't wait. <laughs> I actually put it on my blog a little while ago, just so people could, if they get it early, they could see it. The reception was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> see, Saturday night's a rough crowd. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, they'll be roaring. 9.30, they'll just lose it. At least that's my hope. But that's what we talked about, right? So, if that didn't help you with your joy, maybe the sermon will. Um, People often think that being a Christian um, is about following rules and regulations. But that's really not what it's about at all. It, It really is sort of centered on the concept of joy. And if you think about it, you know, we, we have all sorts of things that we, like at Christmas time, we know about joy. We sing all those joy songs. They all came right out of the Bible. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Lots of verses on joy that I, I didn't dig up for you, but, but it's, a, it's a matter of joy. Romans 14.7 says this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing there, he was talking about, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about all the regulations and the rules about what you do and don't do. The, the, the real thing is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And yet, a lot of people aren't experiencing joy in their lives. And so, what I want to do is, is look at some of the things that we can do to help us experience joy as we follow Christ. And, and this joy, because uh, you, you, you can say, well, you just did a thing on thankfulness. Thankfulness and joy are a little different. Um, actually, they're a lot different. But thankfulness has more to do with circumstance, uh, happenstance, all those things. Joy is something deep within us that, that we have because of the relationship we have with God. And there's some things that no matter what's going on in our lives that we can be joyful for. And those are the things that I want to talk about today. And I have a few of those things. And these reasons for joy are all found in Romans chapter 8. And so we'll use that as the foundation text for our message today. If you want to turn in the Bibles to Romans 8, you can. But the verses are in your outlines. And they should pop up overhead. Bibles are in the row. If you'd like to open a Bible and look along, you can. But uh, here in Romans 8, I have some reasons for you about uh, why we can experience joy and, and that, indeed, our Christian lives should be about joy. It doesn't mean that we never have any difficulties, and now I'm talking about. Not a fake pretend joy, but a real joy that, that can be found in Christ. So, let's dig into them. There's some, some good reasons here. The first one is this. Um, it's no condemnation. No condemnation. 
That means that I'm forgiven in Christ, that I don't need to feel guilt or shame. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I looked up that word no in the dictionary. You know what it means? No. None. Zip. Not as good. Nine. We could do that's but then the people get confused. Um, the reason many people don't experience joy is that they're overwhelmed by guilt and shame. And that leads them to self-condemnation, where they start saying things like, I should be different, I should be better, which just leads to more guilt and shame. And, and um, it's this bad trap that we get caught in. And what you have to know, that what Jesus did on the cross for you was enough. See, without meaning to, when we allow ourselves to get stuck in the guilt and the shame, what we're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. Not for us. But it was, see. It was enough for everything that we've done. And we have to get past the guilt and the shame. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And, And so guilt and shame isn't coming from God. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And, and because, see, conviction is a work of the Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit will do is if we're moving in areas of our lives that we shouldn't be, He will let us know so that we can turn and get it right with God. The enemy, when he fires stuff at us, he uses guilt and shame. And what that does is make us sort of not want to go close to God. Like, like we start to turn away from them because we think, you know, we just... And, and see, that shouldn't be how it works. There's no condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. And yet most people really struggle in accepting that in their own lives. And they think that's good news maybe for other people, but because of things they've done, they can't, they can't get their arms around it. See, we, we have this idea, I think, that, that the way that we get better is that, that we need to sort of get punished. And that's not how it works. That doesn't make us better. What, what helps us along is knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that we've been set free, knowing that we get a new start, not taking advantage of the goodness and the grace of God, but, but allowing His, His grace and His mercy and His love to change us so that we don't pursue the things that weren't good for us in the first place. Because there's something much better. But until we break that cycle, the guilt and the shame will trap us right back into the same things that we don't need to be doing. But God's love breaks us free. There is now no condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. So if you keep thinking about, well, I did this and I did that and I did that, let it go. That's history. It's back there. It doesn't matter. In Christ, you've given your life to Christ. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are completely forgiven. The second reason for joy we find in Romans 8 is a little thing called eternal life. A little thing called eternal life. The best deal going. Life with God forever. Romans 8.11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and we've already talked about that, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit 
who lives in you. See, I can experience life now because there's no condemnation, so my past stuff is taken care of. And because God has promised me this future with him, I don't need to be all worried about what might happen. I can live now. And that's really what God wants for us, see? Because that's where we find joy. Where people usually get off track is they're stuck back there in the guilt and the shame in the past. And all the, or they're, they're all worried about what's coming up, what's next. And they don't get to be here. And this is where he is. This is, he's, in, he's in the now with us. He's in the forever too, but he's, he's here. And life is found here, walking this thing out with him. Not stuck in the should-haves or in the what-might-be's, but in the now. And it's this promise of, of eternal life and the fact that there's no condemnation frees me up to begin to experience joy. A third element is this, that God works for the good of those who love him. God works for the good of those who love him. Romans 8, 28. This is a powerful verse. You should know this verse. This is one of those ones you'd have memorized. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We touched on this a little bit last week when we talked about hope, but this is worth looking into again. Because if we can get a hold of this, it's, it really is freeing combined with no condemnation and eternal life. Because rather than be consumed by the what-ifs of life or be overwhelmed by every decision that we make, what we realize is what we need to do is we just do the best we can with what we have for Jesus today. And if I mess it up, God can take it and use it anyway. If you'll let that sink in, there's so much freedom in that particular thought. Because another place where people struggle is, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the right thing to do? We get these decisions we have to make, and then we sort of get paralyzed. Well, what if it's the wrong decision? What if I should do this instead of this? What if I do this? What if I don't do this? I don't, and, and then people stop changing anything. They just get... And, and, and here's, here's the amazing freedom and joy that comes in understanding this process. Is that God can work in all of it. So even if we maybe don't make the right decision, God can still use it for good in our lives. He's still able to work in it. Even if we make the, complete, the, the bad decision, God can take those and use them. And we've, we've all done that. We've all made some bad decisions in life. God still uses them. And see, that's, there's this amazing thing that says, okay, then um, what I want to do today in, in my life is I just want to make the best use of today for Jesus, whatever that looks like. And I'm going to try and do it right. You know, we talk about that. We're going to try and we're going to live by doing the next right thing. Honestly, try every day. My heart's desire is to do the next right thing. And I fail miserably every day. Well, I wouldn't say I miserably every day. But <laughs> I fail every day. Some days more miserably than others. And yet my heart's desire is to live for him. And if I mess up, I say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, and he does. And I start again. And, you know, I get another run at it. But there's something about the process that allows me to be joyful rather than being all paranoid about. Because some people get frozen when it comes to decisions. You go, well, what if it's the wrong decision? God can use it. That's really good news. If it'll sink in, you'll go, hey, that's pretty good news. Because I can just sort of 
operate on what I think I ought to do and go from there. And if it's the wrong decision, God can use it anyway. It's pretty good stuff. Then combine that with this one. Fourth thing, God is for me. God is for me. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? One of the big fears that people struggle with is rejection. Not being loved, not fitting in, embarrassing ourselves, feeling like we're not approved. And yet the reality is this. If God is for me, not just with me, but for me, that means he's on our side. And we don't need to be afraid of rejection because he's for us. He's, so no matter what happens, God is for us. He's for you. He's for you. God wants the best for you. God wants you to be joyful, be settled, be complete, be whole. This is the, the heart of God for you. And we need to know that he's for us. And again, a lot of us get stuck because we're back in the guilt and the shame, things that we've done. We think, you know, if something bad happens, we deserved it. And all those kind of bad thoughts start coming in. And it just keeps us really held down. But God's for us. And even if other people don't like us, God likes us. And that's good. There's something settling in that. And, and it allows us to be joyful. Fifth, God meets all my needs. Romans 8.32 he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is a pretty interesting concept and important to note because a lot of people lose their joy in struggling over stuff, things. And the problem is, because that's... see. We have to figure out the difference between needs and wants. That's kind of a lifetime thing because there's a difference. The, the, the promise of God here is your needs, and your needs are different than your wants. But we confuse them because we live in a consumer society. We've been convinced that, the, that our wants are actually our needs, that we can't survive without certain things because it's not fair, it's not right, everybody has them, we should have them. And so we've, we've got this huge thing, especially in our country, of what we perceive now as needs that aren't. Because your needs are really quite different. You know, your, your needs are for love and relationship and basic shelter and food and water. I mean, and God says he's got that. But we get them confused with all this other stuff. And in the pursuit of all this other stuff, I'm not saying the other stuff is bad or that we shouldn't have it. I'm just saying in the pursuit of it, we often lose our joy because we get confused and it becomes about us making it happen, we think. And so it consumes a lot of people and there's no joy there. And the sad thing is, people that are consumed by that most of their lives, if they are successful enough to achieve what they think they really wanted and needed, most of the time, by the time they get it, they found out it was pretty empty anyway. It's just not there. And so this promise of God is very important, and it ties into another promise that ties in with joy, and, and it's this, see, um, God wants you to be asking things in prayer way more than you do, I promise. He wants you to be asking for way more than you do, and He wants you to pray more and get more answers than you do now. 
And yet the problem is because we've confused needs and wants, and we prayed for wants and haven't seen them happen, we think that the whole prayer thing doesn't work and we begin to stop rather than keep pursuing and figuring out the difference. And, and the heart of God is for you to continue to pray and to ask and to have your prayers answered by him because it makes him joyful and his joy is in you. Romans 16.24 says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I told you we were tying in with joy. There's something about this process of asking God to meet our needs and seeing him do it. That brings us joy and brings him joy. But the confusion has kept us away from it. So, so again, I would submit to you something for you to consider. God wants you to ask for way more than you do. And he wants to see your prayers answered way more than they are. Because we've kind of stepped out of the picture. And it's that confusion. Well, if it's, you know, we, because we, we asked for something at some point and he didn't do it and we just figured it doesn't work. And we just stopped. My encouragement to you is to pray and ask God. Don't think that he's not interested or involved. Ask him for all of it. And if it's a, you can't tell the difference between need and a want, don't worry. Ask him. He knows. And, and he's good. And he takes care of all your needs. And I found out, and we've talked about this, he's a pretty good God. He takes care of a bunch of your wants, too, just because he's God. But the needs are a promise, so you'd be, you be asking for him. The sixth and last point from Romans 8 is this one. It's God will always love me. And I was studying for this on Tuesday, and i got to tell you, I've been thinking about this all week, this one point. Uh, it sort of just consumed my thoughts. Because I think we hear it a lot. Oh, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But I don't know how often we really let it in. And because it's one of those things that becomes sort of a cliche almost. Well, God loves you. But see that the promise is, as his child, he'll always love you. Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, the present or the future, any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's great joy in knowing that God loves you and, and, and resting in that love. And, and I think joyful people get it. At, at some measure, people that experience joy have this underlying understanding of the love of God. And they know that he loves them. That, and it's, they can just settle in it. I think it's a struggle for, for a lot of people because we, you know, the, we, we, we perhaps didn't get loved very well by our natural fathers and it's got us confused. And there's been people along the way who should have loved us, loved us and they didn't. They sort of got in there and they, they judged us or they used us or whatever or their love was very performance-based and, and all this stuff sort of messed us up. But that's not how God loves. God loves with this amazing, unconditional perfection right where we're at. And there's something so freeing in that that will allow you to keep moving on once you get it. Because it breaks all the cycles that we were talking about. 
the guilt and the shame cycle. It, it just tears it away. It, it allows us to, to know that we can make decisions because he's going to use whatever we make. That, that in life, we don't have to be so afraid of trying to fit in. We can just be who we are. We don't have to pretend or wear masks or do anything else because God's for us. And he's got us. And he's got us forever. And, and that in, in life, the things that we spend so much time worrying about, he says he's promised to take care of our needs. And we can trust him there. And he'll meet us there. And so we, we, we pray more and we ask more. Because sometimes I think we just get kind of going and we forget to ask. Ask. He wants to answer you so your joy will be complete. And so, so get that working again. Let's, let's make a, a decision that we're going to do that as well. That we're really going to take on that sort of thought in, in, our, in our lives. And, and it's the whole give us this day our daily bread. Get before God and ask for your needs. Because he wants to answer you and, and let you know the love he has for you. So it's all tied together. So those are six reasons for joy. And uh, remembering them will help us to really develop that root. And now we have three roots that we're working on. Thankfulness, hope, and joy. And, and keep working on those three. And we've got a couple more coming up that we're going to talk about. And then rooted in Christ, we should be on our way to developing some good fruit for him. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, um, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. If you need anything, you can call us or write us. But we're going to pray here as a group now and call it a day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, your faithfulness, Lord, your love for us, your amazing.